0: So what if you uh, ran a restaurant in the middle of nowhere, quite literally, at the end of a 16-mile road at a dead end, in the middle of Alaska, a hyper-seasonal restaurant that's only open four months out of the year? You've got challenges, I'm sure, as does today's guest. So we're doing another one of these coaching episodes, working through some of the unique challenges, and trying to see if we can turn some of those challenges into opportunities. This is a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world, those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast dedicated entirely to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. Each week, I leverage my 20-plus years in the industry to help you build that more profitable restaurant. I also work with owners and operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program, what are the three P's? They stand for profit, process, and progress. Everything is results-oriented, and we focus on finding a path to profitability. So if you've got a busy restaurant generating a great deal of revenue but are having trouble dropping a consistent, predictable number to the bottom line, then please get in touch. Visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com schedule. Again, I work with owners and operators all over the world, two different groups. We're about ready to open a third. If you want to learn more about what we do, then please get in touch get in touch. We'll learn more about you and your restaurant. You'll learn more about the program we run to see if you're a good fit for the program. Again, visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, you'll find that link in the show notes. Thousands of restaurants across the country use Kickfin to send instant cashless tip payouts directly to their employees' bank accounts the second their shift ends. It's a really simple solution to a really big problem. Because let's face it, paying out cash tips to your workers day after day, shift after shift, is kind of a nightmare. Tedious tip distribution takes managers away from work that matters. It's hard to track payments, which leads to accounting and compliance headaches. Plus, cash tip-outs create the perfect opportunity for theft. And there's never enough cash on hand to pay out those tips. So, managers are constantly having to make bank runs. Bottom line, there's never been a secure, efficient way to tip out until now. Meet Kickfin. Kickfin is an easy-to-use software that sends real-time, cashless, tip payouts straight to your employees' bank accounts 24-7, 365. Tipping out with Kickfin gives managers and operators hours back in their day. It makes reporting a breeze and protects your business from mistakes and theft. And employees love it, so it's one of the best recruiting tools out there. Best of all, restaurants can have Kickfin up and running overnight. Employees can enroll in seconds, no hardware, no contracts, no setup fees. Get in touch today for a personalized demo and see how restaurants and bars across the country are tipping out with Kickfin. Visit kickfin.com demo. That link is also in the show notes. Now. My guest on today's show is a woman by the name of Janine Jabay. She runs Dirty Skillet and Bear Creek Lodge up in Hope, Alaska. This is going to be a great conversation. Janine, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: My pleasure. So uh, to bring the uh, the listeners up to speed, you and I got connected through the, uh, the Bar and Restaurant Expo out in Las Vegas. You were there with your team or some of your team, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you enjoyed it? Enjoyed yourself?
1: Yeah. This is our second year. And there were three of us there. We kind of broke off and did the classes. You know, you go here, you go here, you go here. My husband actually sat through one of your classes, came back and told my chef and I, this is the next one we're all going to. So we all showed up to your class. Uh, Yeah. And it was amazing. It was very, very helpful.
0: Yeah, good. I I love that show because of the educational component to it and because I get to uh, connect with so many restaurant owners and operators and sort of sort of shift the way that they uh, that they think about their businesses and all that. So we got connected out there. Um, I offered up a bunch of free calls uh, to uh, to people in the audience. You guys took me up on it. We had a great call. I wanna talk about that, but I first want uh, you to give the audience a little bit of context. Who you are, where you're located, what your restaurant is, what it's all about, and sort of some of the uniqueness about it, because there are definitely some uh, unique challenges that you guys deal with. Give them some context about what Dirty Skillet is. Sure,
1: Uh, Dirty Skillet was opened in 2019. We bought the property in 2018, but we're pretty rural. We're in Alaska, we're on the road system. So, once a week, one company is willing to deliver to us. But if we want to get anything else, grocery wise, product wise, produce, beer and wine, whatever, we have to drive all the way to Anchorage, which is about an hour and a half to two hours from us, depending on traffic, construction, things like that. Um, yeah. Our restaurant is actually part of our lodge. So, it's actually the on site dinner restaurant component to our lodge. So, we rent out little cabins. I'm actually sitting in the day lodge, which has a coffee shop behind me and a uh, Kind of the place where guests check in but across the way across the property, across the pond is our restaurant dirty skillet and it's open six nights a week for dinner
0: i love it what made you guys do this open this because it's it's beautiful <laughs> as i've checked it out
1: thanks it is beautiful it's very small it's the town of hope only has about 300 people depending on who you ask maybe maybe 150 year-round depends right. <laughs> uh, But this has been home for me. I was born and raised in Alaska. I'm fourth generation. I have six children. They're all fifth generation Alaskan. I was born in Anchorage, so were all my kids. We moved to Hope about 10 years ago, and this was the first time I really knew what home was. So even though I was so rooted in Alaska, there's something different about this town that I just knew this is where my family belongs. And having so many kids, I wanted to raise them sort of feral. I don't know if that (laughs) makes me a good mom or I don't know. Uh, But I love that I can not see my kids for four or five hours and know that they're perfectly safe, healthy, happy, living a great life, building some fort in some woods somewhere. Uh, It's been a very, very cool place. Finding a job here isn't an easy thing. So I was working with one foot in the door of Anchorage and one foot in Hope buying this property, which has this Creek that flows through it and a pond that's on it felt like this opportunity that to make hope truly our future, not just our current home, not just where we live. We were able to sell our companies in Anchorage, both of them to employees, which was amazing and then be fully rooted here in hope. So this is now where we
0: want to be. That's amazing. And so you guys, the property's not open year-round, right? And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. But you guys are there year-round, correct?
1: Yeah, we are here year-round. The traffic here in Hope can be as much as a couple thousand people a day, which when you're one of two, maybe three restaurants in town, you're very busy. So our you know, our average night, we're easily doing 150 to 200 covers, easily. And that's just in a few-hour window. Um, and our turnover's not so quick either because often we've got live music in the background the tables actually turn on fire on them their own so people want to stay there and they're just in no rush when they get to hope so getting people to move <laughs> and, right and allow somebody else to come in and sit down is sometimes a bit of a you know unique challenge too right right but yeah we're not open year-round we could be open more i simply don't want to and that is part of a lifestyle choice i'm making I, there's more revenue opportunity, not a lot. You, you would have to probably only be open on weekends because there's just not enough traffic here in the mm-hmm. winters. You just be taking locals money all day long. <laughs> there's only so <laughs> much of that. <laughs> right. So we could be open more. We could probably do the cabins more, but again, it's this lifestyle choice that I'm choosing.
0: Yeah. It's one of the things that really struck me from our first conversation because that's been a big part of my life over the last eight years. Uh, my son is about to turn eight. Um, I started my company eight years ago. It's it's not uh, by accident. Um, and a big part of it was balance and lifestyle, which is very hard to get in the restaurant mm-hmm. industry. And certainly, yeah. you know, <laughs> for, for four months of the year, you work crazy hours and it's it's all of that. And so I can, I can appreciate that you've now created something um, that sort of gives you uh, some form of balance. That's sort of an aside. It, it's sort of a stepping stone into where we're going. But it is something that I want... Um, listeners to really take in Uh, because like you said earlier in the conversation that like it finally felt like home it's like you finally realized where you belonged and i think a lot of people um go their whole lives without realizing that and i think that's pretty cool and i think a lot of people uh go through their life without realizing that they can arrange their business to support their greater goals or their greater needs uh, much like you've done and it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but I wanna make sure that the listeners do hear that, that sometimes stopping and taking stock is is worthwhile. And so I appreciate that, that piece of the story. I appreciated that and hearing it, um, that resonated very deeply with me. And so I hope that sort of, um, Resonates with the listeners. I assume it wasn't easy to get to that point where you're like, this is what it's going to be. We're going to open this. It's going to be open four months. We're going to make all our money that we need for the year and then shut it down. And so I'm sure there's some stories there. Talk to me about some of the challenges to get, you know, on the road to get where you want it to be.
1: Some of the greater challenges were totally unexpected because this is such a small town. And I think you, Really have to have lived in a town this small, which I never had. So those who are listening, who do come from a really small town, will understand the small town politics. It's real. It's alive and well. <laughs> so when I named, when I bought this property, that was okay. People were okay with it. When I was opening a restaurant, people were excited about it. But we hid the name "Dirty Skillet" for months until we actually <laughs> opened in May because we knew that just naming it "Dirty." Dirty Skillet was just going to be so taboo to so many people. I cannot tell you that the name alone caused so much drama. It was wild, actually. And then, of course, opening a good restaurant that brings people in brings more people to hope. And hope is 16 miles at the end of a dead end road. You really have to choose to come here. You're almost an hour and a half, two hours from a major airport. We're 45 minutes to an hour from the closest gas station. You have to really choose Whoa. to be here. <laughs> so bringing more traffic wasn't always favorable to everyone in town either. Some people were thrilled because they were able to rent their cabins out. Little Airbnbs, little coffee shops did better. But some of the people that had been here for generations, they're not there's still, summer's still coming around,
0: <laughs> yeah, but this yeah, is our yeah. fifth
1: summer and it's still sometimes a challenge. So that's been a unique experience for me, something I wasn't anticipating, but it certainly adds to when we're business planning and we're forward thinking and I'm looking at, can we extend this season? If we open in May, can we be open through October? There are people in town who push back and those are my neighbors. Those are my friends. Those are the people that are watching out for my kids who are playing in the woods. Mm-hmm. So I need to be very careful to respect and honor and still do us right for my family.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I wanna bring um, I want to bring the audience up to speed because the first conversation we had was way longer than the allotted time. It was at the end of my day and I loved it so much. I mean, I think we were supposed to talk an hour, I think we, or half an hour, I think we talked an hour 15. Um, yeah. I, really, I really did enjoy the conversation and it's sort of just, I don't even remember all of what we talked about. I just remember it being really good. So uh, I do, there were specific things that we covered that I do want you to bring people up to speed because one of the reasons, so I'm doing these coaching calls, right? So it's like in real time, we're recording it, um, sort of working through things, giving people action items to step away, just like I would do in a regular coaching um, setting, um, trying to, to lift the veil on what coaching is and um, how it can be so so powerful. One of the things that I wanna get out of this one is that we pretty much had a coaching call, a pretty long coaching call, and I want to bring people up to speed uh, as in regards to what we talked about then, sort of the notes you took, what you wanted to implement, and I wanna use this to really talk about how we take that stuff and put it into practice. Because as we're doing this interview, we're doing this conversation, um, you're just getting getting ready to open for the season. And I thought this would be a really cool time to sit and have this conversation and record this conversation, because it's like just ready to get crazy for you. So talk a little bit, tell the listeners a little bit of what we talked about, meaning like what were some of the challenges you had over the last couple of summers, things you wanted to correct, for this year? What are some of the solutions we came to? And then we could talk about what you're going to do about uh, implementing them.
1: Okay, sure. Well, I remember everything we talked about, so that's good. Good,
0: you should. (laughs) I took mad
1: notes, mad notes while we were talking. There was a couple of things that I brought up that I thought would be so specific to Alaska, to my seasonal business, to even just our food supply, most of produce isn't grown in Alaska. So it's brought in and then it's barged up and then it's trucked to me or I have to go pick it up. I thought this would be so strange that I was almost like didn't want to bring it up. And you talked about a couple of things, but one of the things that you mentioned just sort of casually was this book called Grit. And I wrote that down. I've read that book, devoured that book realized Mm -hmm. that on some levels, I'm way high on that grit scale, and on other things, I need to probably let some things go, that I was majoring in something because I'd started it, and I was feeling this burden to continue with it, but really, that's okay to let that go. That doesn't make me not a gritty person or not somebody who finishes what they started. That's not meaningful. That's not contributing Mm -hmm. to my life. That's something I can let go of and get better at focusing on the real objective, the, the real big picture. So that was very yep. helpful. Um, we talked about the food supply stuff. I'd still love to tap into that today if we could.
0: Yeah. How do absolutely. I, how
1: do I better manage that? Um, some of the things that we talked about with the food supply stuff was when, because we have once a week delivery and on that same week, we have once a week pickup some of the items that we run out of. We, it, we might yep. get served, brought, delivered cilantro that is so poor, we have to take everything off the menu, or we can get maybe one or two days out of it, at the most, that it comes off the menu four or five days within the week. And I can't get it again yep. until yep. Thursday or Monday of the following week. So that's been unique, and I'd love to talk more about that. Um, yeah. And then one other thing we talked about was a big picture. Sorry,
0: did you want to interject? No, go ahead. No. Well, I did want to, I did want to, yeah, put the pin in the big picture. I do want to talk about these supply chain, food supply issues. Because one of the things that you talked about was 86ing items that you sort of, uh, and and I do this a lot with my clients. Like we build projections. What sort of revenue do you think you're going to do? How much of something are you going to sell? How do you build, you know, look at your inventory? How do you build pars and place orders? And you have a very, Um, steep challenge of having to uh, predict the future a week, sometimes 10 days in advance when you place an order and then go pick it up. One of the things we talked about is some of your signature items you'll run out of and by the time you get to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, people are sort of annoyed at you that they've made their reservation a month beforehand and you don't have the thing that they were specifically coming, the signature, the thing you're famous for. And one of the things that we talked about one of my suggestions was twofold number 1 either just take it from the menu and just hand sell it so you deliver the menus and you say you know and also tonight we're you know proud to serve our signature dish and you sell it that way or what we really came to was this idea of pre-selling the items mm-hmm. that if you mm-hmm. and certainly you know there's great Chinese restaurants that say well, you you have to pre-order your Peking duck You've gotta pre-order a suckling pig. There are restaurants that do that. Like, If you've got something that's really special and you wanna make sure to serve everybody who wants it, pre-sell it, then you help you with your cash flow. You get money in the door when people are making the reservation. You can then take that to purchase the items and you've got enough on hand. So if you've got pre-orders for 80, maybe you get 120, so you know you can sell another 40 by hand. Or if you sell 80, maybe get another 20, you know, you can sell another 20 by hand, but you know, you've got enough for the people who have pre-ordered that dish ahead of time for something very, very special and unique and signature to your, to Mm -hmm. your thing. So I want to touch upon that. Have you given any further thought to that?
1: Oh, yes. Great conversations with my chef and my team. Uh, One of the things about, about that too, is we do take reservations through Open Table. And they get, you know, the automatic texts, emails, whatever it is that Open Table is set up to confirm. But there was yep. no actual human contact at all. It was sort of, we just kind of expected them to show up. And if they didn't, we just cross their name off the list and move on. But yep. because our restaurant is so small, if somebody didn't show up, first off, that's, I'm holding this table and there's a line. And that is yep. tragic to me. Yep. Um, so... But also because some of our dishes do run out, you know, our 22 ounce bone in ribeye or, or even our balls that we are famous for. We Our bumper sticker literally says we are famous for our balls. And it's this dish that everybody comes to, it's the go-to. So when you run out of something like that and they've driven here or they've read about it or they've seen it on a Yelp review, they're not thrilled that they can't have it. Other things are great on the menu, but that's what they came for. So that human touch point of letting them know ahead of time, hey, it looks like we're running low on this. Do you want to reserve this ahead of time? First off, it it solved two problems. One was that are they coming or aren't they? Because it is a drive. It's not like they're just too lazy to get off the couch yep. and show up and cook at home is just as convenient. It's, they can no longer make this weekend to get away. That's life. But to know that yep. ahead of time means I'm not holding this table for them. It's so basic. I'm shocked I didn't think about it. That This is why my mad notes, I was like, man, I did not yeah. think about this. I'm sure other listeners, other restaurateurs, are like, what's wrong with this woman? But the truth is, well, I and, don't have a deep
0: background in food. Beverage. Right. Which is so... and you know, sometimes it's really nice. And I talked to, I have a bunch of clients, a bunch of members of my mastermind, for example, who have come to restaurants in their second act. And what's really interesting is that they see opportunity. They don't see the way we always do things. They come in with the, the asking the question why much more than, than those of us do who were sort of raised in the industry. And I think that's really, um, I think that's a really good thing they say, hey, I don't know why we do it this way. We just decided to do it this way instead. And that way ends up being better. So I think ultimately that's helpful. But then on the other side, sometimes you do just need to think in terms of, you know, from the hospitality perspective. And there, when you've got limited tables, when you've got a limited season, you've got a limited uh, chunk of time with which to, um, to to generate enough revenue to support your family for the year. I think it's good that you're looking out for the business. Um, But number two, more importantly, I think there's an opportunity to actually provide greater hospitality because you're going out of your way and saying, hey, just so you know, we often run out of these. If you want to pre-order these, we can make sure you'll get them. It's basically just saying, how can I help them have a better experience? How can I help them have the best experience possible? And when you go, you know, we often think about about steps of service, right? What happens when they walk in the door and then they're seated at the table, they're brought menus, they're greeted, they're brought water, everything until they pay their check and they leave. And really we should be thinking about the customer journey. Like what happens from the moment they decide to join us all the way through to the moment when they decide to tell somebody about us a week after their vacation ends. And when you start thinking in terms of what are all the touch points I could or should have in that journey, we start thinking about how can we then extend the hospitality beyond the four walls? How can we begin the experience before they even get here, before they even get to Alaska? How can we get them even more excited? Hey, we've got our 22 ounce bone-in ribeye. You know, these tomahawk shops sell out every single night. If you wanna pre-order one now, we'll guarantee you get one, right? And being able to tell your story, that which is, um, that which is like sort of a, a constriction on you, right? That we gotta drive all the way into town to pick up some specialty items and come back you're basically saying, we have to drive all the way in to get these. We wanted to know whether you wanted us to get you one as well when we went there. I mean, it's really what you're saying. It's We say it to our friends, hey, I'm gonna go get some coffee. Anybody need a coffee? Anybody need something from the bar? Anybody want something from, I'm gonna go to the store. Do you need something? It's just, it's like the ultimate, it's what we do with our family and friends all the time. And it's just extending that, the spirit of that to your guests, which they're literally basically in your home.
1: Literally, basically, my home is on the property.
0: (laughs) Pop Menu has reimagined the restaurant. They're breaking the mold of the menu, taking the kitchen doors off the hinges and serving up their most comprehensive technology solution yet. It's called Pop Menu Max. It comes with the previous ingredients you've heard me mention on this podcast, websites designed with SEO, marketing tools to keep you top of mind with guests, and of course, the patented interactive menu technology. This new recipe brings automated phone answering, third-party online order aggregation, wait listing, and more to the table. PopMenu's phone answering technology has your ringing phones covered. With artificial intelligence, the simple questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled without pulling a staff member from your in-person hospitality. No more missed reservations, asking for your hours, or missed revenue, and that's just the beginning. You have a passion for food. Pop Menu has a passion for technology. Together, it's a recipe for restaurant success. Now, even more digital ingredients are in their technology pantry, and Pop Menu is helping restaurants attract, engage, remarket, and transact with their guests on a whole new level. Trust me, if you're a restaurant owner, you need Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash restaurant strategy to claim this offer. That's $100 off your first month at P-O-P-M-E-N-U dot slash restaurant strategy. As always, you'll find that link in the show notes.
1: Home is on the property.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's special. It's special for sure. So, so turning what would be sort of a, a, a challenge for you, turning that into... Uh, an opportunity to provide a better experience than your people have known the previous four seasons. That's what really excited me about that whole conversation as we started, as we started going down, started going down that road.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm and glad, I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's refreshing. Yeah. Some of the stuff, you know, your enthusiasm is contagious.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love it because ultimately, and here's the beauty of it, right? We are asking people. We are separating people from their money, right? That's what we do. In business. And yet there is perfect alignment. People sit down and expect to be separated from their money. I always say it's a long transaction. We talked about this at that, uh, the lecture, the, the talk I gave in Vegas. I said, transactions in our industry last a very long time, and people are expecting to be sold to right? It's like, I want to, you know, do you want a drink? Would you like an appetizer? Can I bring you an entree? Would you like a side dish? Would you like a glass of wine with your meal? Would you like dessert? Would you like coffee? Those are a series of transactions. They, I'm being sold to straight through for an hour and a half, two hours. And in fact, if we're not sold to, we just look around. We're like, uh, where, uh, where's my, uh, I just, uh, I, I want to be sold a glass of wine. Really what we're saying <laughs> is I want a glass, I want to have a glass of wine with this beautiful steak in front of me, but thought of another way. We're saying, uh why won't they sell me a glass of wine? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. the same thing. So they want what we want, what they want, what we want. Like it's it's all, we're in full, we're, we're in, we're in a complete alignment there. We want to sell them more stuff and they want to buy more stuff and they want to buy the stuff that, that we're famous for, the stuff that's going to uh, make it worth their 45 minute or hour and a half or two hour plus trip to the middle of nowhere. And when you look at that it's suddenly this idea, this act of selling is a much more generous thing than I think we we initially imagined.
1: Yeah, I think it's such a special way of looking at it. And I'm loving it because I'm about to do one of my other challenges is my team changes every year. Every year. Yep. I was talking to some of the restaurateurs, and they're like, oh, yeah, if you can get a year and a half out of an employee, you know, you're doing good. I was like, man, if I get a full season, four and a half months out of yeah, an employee, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> happy. Because <You know? laughs> I yeah. get so many college kids that are they want to start a few weeks into my year, and they want to leave a few weeks before my year ends. And, yeah. Yeah. and A lot of them come back, so the training is a little smaller, but there's always things that are changing. And of course, there's new faces every year, so I'm about to start my onboarding training at, on yeah. Monday. They all showing up this week. A couple are already here, but on Mondays when we sit down for the first time, and I'm going to adopt this. This we are providing them an opportunity. They came here for us to take their
0: money. Like let's make sure they're to, given what they want. <laughs> yeah, and to your point, right? They didn't come here by accident. It wasn't like they were driving and they just got hungry. Right. They got a ride all the way to the end of a 16 mile road until they they land at your spot like they came there with great intention and um anticipation and how can we how can we do that better you know better than than ever before and they came much further than the hour and a half right most of them are coming from out of state they're coming from the continental u.s they're vacationing in alaska and they just heard about you they're staying way out there so all of that. So how do we turn? How do we turn the the downside? Now the other side about this food supply stuff is the stuff that bad products and spoilage and all of that. So talk to me about how you think about that, um, because that's somewhat different than we just didn't order enough to to meet the demand.
1: So are you talking about like on delivery when the greens are wilted or? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well my chef actually comes from this is she's been with me since the beginning so she's helped me develop this menu chef april's amazing but she comes from a background with national geographic on a cruise ship where she was a chef on a ship for seven years so she knows what to do with repurposing products if something does go bad and we have to throw it away or reject it on delivery she's very very competent at repurposing ingredients even if at the end of the week something's like questionable she'll just kind of feed it to staff who you know mostly the guys they all live on site I house (laughs) almost all my staff and and men will eat almost anything men men who are living in a little dry cabin (laughs) it's kind of amazing actually we don't have a lot of waste and we are pretty good at repurposing food so that's not been a major struggle thankfully I think with a, a lesser professional chef, somebody who wasn't as capable at that, that would be yeah. a certain issue.
0: I can imagine. But the issue is still something comes in, the greens come in, they're wilted, you have to reject them. You've got this dish on the menu that now needs to come off the menu that, that presents challenges. So how do you sort of sort of tap dance and, and make decisions in real time? Because that and, and how can we get better at that? I guess that's where I'm going with it.
1: Yeah, I, the better at it is the part I don't know. I can tell you how we deal with it. So for example, this last year, iceberg lettuce was really difficult here. I don't know why something as basic as iceberg lettuce kept showing up soft and squishy and wet and sometimes even browning already. And um, so we switched actually our Salad, we took it instead. The description would say iceberg lettuce for the Caesar. We just said lettuce, which gave us the flexibility to use whatever romaine or whatever else we might have. And that helped a lot. But it is still, we actually have had to take things off the menus. Like we had this really beautiful portobello mushroom, those big fat mushrooms that was stuffed. And we called it the caprock stuffed mushroom. And But getting that mushroom to Hope, they were all different sizes. And so you can't serve something for $22 that's this big, at least not in Hope, Alaska. So we would go back to the grocery store, which is not feasible most days, to just take a three-hour round-trip drive plus the time it takes to shop. So we would put it, emails out. Hey, anybody coming to Hope? We'll uh, buy you yeah. a beer if you'll <laughs> pick up some mushrooms for us. Oh, that's and cool. then they'd go around. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a few of those deliveries.
0: <laughs> so how do you do that? How do you ask for who are you? Are you sending it to your email list or on uh, social media or what?
1: Mostly social media. We do have a few people that, you know, friends will say, hey, I'm coming to Hope. So excited to see you. And then I, if I've got that in my mental bank that, oh, my brother-in-law is coming, my best friend yep. from high school is coming out, then I'll just shoot him a message and say, have you left Anchorage yet? Are you able to stop at the store? And then it's also easy because I can put in like a will-call order, even you know, those like pickups that just yep. normal people who go grocery shopping, something I haven't been able to do sure. in years. <laughs> you know, they just drive up, tell them they're there, they deliver. It's been pretty nice, but there certainly means that there's those days that we've – had to completely adjust the menu. Um, I'm hoping this year it's better.
0: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But but I love that. So I find myself thinking, how can you again? How can you take sort of this liability and turn it into an opportunity? Um, like I would say, like you should be taking pictures of everybody. Who comes in, you know, and it should be, so whatever, Diana comes, brings you mushrooms. It's like Diana's mushroom appetizer. Like, we should name it after her for the week. If you've got paper menu, it's it's like, and then people are like, who's Diana? Like, well... We uh, got a bad delivery and Diana Diana came up and we sometimes do this and we (laughs) took her picture and it's on social media and we named the dish after her for the week. Like there's an opportunity and then people are like, yeah. And then what happens is that they start understanding your reality. They start, it helps them understand how special it is that like, yeah, it's three hour round trip, exactly like you said, it's a three hour round trip, not to mention the time it takes to shop. And we don't have that most days. It's three hours that have to be spent prepping or, or otherwise breaking down, you know, getting our stations ready. But Diana was our savior because she was coming this way anyway. And so we named it after her. We bought her a drink, made her a salad, you know, made her the salad that was named after her or whatever it was. We took her picture and, you know, now we get... And then they, they go back and they tell that story like... We went to this really place, like it's in the middle of nowhere. So much so that if they get something bad, they have to enlist other people who are driving up to go stop at the supermarket and get like, for me, that's a story. Like, that's really special. Do you know what I
1: mean?
0: Yeah. Like, we, it's funny because so my brother got married a few years back and we went to Newport, Rhode Island. And we were going to go fishing, so we went deep sea fishing. and the restaurant we were we were going to go for one of his dinners. They were like, "Oh, if you're going fishing, just bring back all the stuff. We'll clean it, prep it, and we'll serve you the stuff whatever you catch that night." We were like, like, let me just tell you what's the story that we're telling now, whatever five, six years later. Like we're telling that story because it was cool. Like, where else do you get to like like we're going to go fishing, and then what are we going to do with a bunch of fish? We're like in an airbnb like <laughs> Nine guys in the Airbnb, like we're not keeping fish, we're not we're not cooking fish, like. But we brought them right to the restaurant, and they're like, "Okay, we'll see you in three hours Like we brought them there, we went back, we you know we got showered and dressed, went out, and like, and it was all ready for us. And they're like, "Here is your, you know, the black, you know, the the black bass you caught. Here's the the black fish, you the rock fish you caught." It was really cool. So it's an opportunity to sort of like turn a weird like. That's, as I always say, what are the stories only you can tell? I've been doing this a long time. I've never come across anyone who can tell that story that you can tell. So I would say over the course of the season, inevitably, you were going to come across some of those. So I would find ways to magnify that rather than sort of sweeping it under the rug and be like, oh, we got a bad delivery. We ran out of this. It's, man, we got a bad delivery. We ran out of it because it was so popular. And Diana... Was our savior, or whoever it is, that brought this thing up? God bless and Diana. We, God bless Diana. For the sake of this conversation, she has saved you with mushrooms. Please, but yes. you understand what I mean? Like, there's an opportunity yeah. there. It's really cool. And so, it, I love it. if you see those not as liabilities or sort of like a crisis, um, as uh, but rather as an opportunity to to magnify your story, to magnify what makes you so special. Uh, one of the biggest things I hope you take away from these conversations we've had is that. Find all the quirky things that exist because of your where you are and just lean into them and magnify them and make them even like the steak. We do a 22-ounce bone-in ribeye with this tomahawk chop. We always run out. We're famous for it. Pre-order it, pre-pay. You'll guarantee you get it. And then people are like, yeah. And they even made us pre-pay. We had to pre-purchase the steak. And I think you'll start selling them for the table. Because people will be like, well, I'm making a reservation for six of us. And like, so get two of them for the middle of the table. So I bet you they'll get like six entrees and then put one or two of them in the center and you'll actually sell more, you know, your, your price per head, your, your, you know, your, the revenue you drive per person will go up because people will just start like ordering those for the center of the table if you position it right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, the lame part about being on a podcast is I can't write it down without everybody thinking, yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying attention. And I want to write all this down.
0: <laughs> so it's funny. So the beauty of it is that it's being recorded and yeah. you'll get oh, to hear I know. it. And just in a few weeks, you'll get to listen to it and everybody, and you can send it to your team and say, hey, listen, talked about some really cool things. What do you guys think about this? And this is, you know, and we always talk about like how you get buy-in or a sense of ownership with your staff. So it's not just you telling them what to do. But you saying, hey, here's the idea. What are the things that are really weird about us, that are really quirky about how we have to do business because of our limitations? What are all those things, and how can we magnify them? And if you ask a bunch of other people to see, you've been with it for so long, you've probably lost perspective. You can't see the forest for the trees. I'm hearing your story for the first time, and, and I can help highlight some of these things like... I don't know. Like, you definitely have to put these people on Instagram. You definitely have to name the dish after these people because, like, because they did this for you. It's like a small gesture that they're going to take. They're going to, like, the person's going to tell the story. The guests are going to be like, this is so weird. And they're going to tell that story. (laughs) When you start doing that kind of stuff, that's when, so... It's funny, I've got my friend, Sean Walshef, who's a podcaster himself and a restaurant owner. And he says, when does a story, um, how does a story become a legend? And the answer is when other people tell the story. So you tell your story all the time and there's things that you know that are quirky and interesting and lovely about your place. um, But sort of the, 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 the quirky sort of magical aspects of it that's how it becomes legendary when other people start saying, and when you when you give them opportunities, when you name the dish after somebody, when you put somebody's picture on Instagram holding the mushrooms they just brought an hour and a half to you, people are like, what's that? And you, you're able to tell your story and you basically give your guests a shorthand. You basically tell them how they should be talking about you when they go home, when they post their pictures, when they text their parents or their friends. And you're basically saying, this place is so deep in the middle of nowhere that this is the kind of thing they have to do when they run out of food. And I'm telling you, that's how you help people tell your story and you'll be even bigger than you ever were. Does that make sense? Does that resonate? I mean, you understand the truth behind that.
1: Yeah. I think you're right that I don't see it all. And so sometimes somebody else will, you know, a guest even will be like, you have a duck that just walked into your bar. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my gosh, just shoo it out. And they were I realized like 15 cameras were all taking pictures of these ducks. But the ducks are always in my bar. So I'd forgotten that it was weird. You know, it was just yeah. kind of annoying to me. Get the ducks out, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's so true. And so I always say it's one of the, the best parts about coaching is that I get to come in sort of um, ignorant in the best possible way where I don't know much about the business, I just ask a lot of questions, and I just sort Mm -hmm. of point to things. I say, well, what about that? I mean, that's all I'm doing here. That's all we did in our Mm -hmm. previous conversation. Well, Mm -hmm. what about this? What about that? Instead of it being a crisis, what if it was an opportunity? What if instead of being a liability for the business, how could we turn it into an asset? How could we take the things that make you you interesting or remarkable or different? It's the beauty part of coaching, and then when you're in sort of a group setting, Um, And I feel like I talk about this on the show more and more uh, because I'm watching it in real time. It's not just me listening, but it's like 20, 30 other people listening and being like, oh, my God, did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about that? This struck me. This dawned on me. This reminds me of and all things that you're sort of oblivious to, because, again, you're in it. You're so deep in it. You lose sight of the forest for the trees.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I want to go back because you said you wanted to go sort of top level. And you said, you said, you know, big picture. You started down that road, but I wanted to close the close the loop on this. So now go back to that. What, what were you going to say?
1: You had, and I had talked in our conversation one-on-one about menu items. So my chef is fundamentally one of the best cooks I've ever had the pleasure of eating their food. But mm-hmm. she loves a rich, heavy, dish it's and I tend to the lighter side of fare and so there's been this kind of I, I don't know conflict isn't the right word because it's not been this level where we're like mad at each other it's more just a difference of seeing the menu and I've given her almost mm-hmm. full autonomy where I just sort of like go in and refine certain things but for the most part she's developing these recipes she comes to me with some ideas we hash it out together but she's the one who starts implements and creates these dishes well it we're in our fifth year and I'd love to see some lighter fare on the menu but it's a challenge for her and it's a challenge for me to know how to communicate that to her without stepping on her toes because she's so good at what she does I don't want it to be a conflict and she and I have had these conversations even as recently as yesterday where we're like how do we our space is very limited the restaurant kitchen is very small she is back there with a prep or a line cook and an expediter most nights, but that's it as far as back of house goes and the dishwasher. Yep. But otherwise that's it. As far as prep food, creating the food, it's her and one other person. So it's very, very small. So she's able to do a ton of food, single, almost single-handedly. So to add something to her actual plate that's not in her natural wheelhouse, I'm, I'm wanting to know how to do that. How do I... Walk the restaurant through
0: that. I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great question. And you already sort of know some of the limitations, right? It has to be able to be executed by just a couple of people. It has to be quick on the pickup, all of that. And I remember this conversation. I'm really glad that we're circling back to it. For me, this comes back to a philosophical question. This is philosophically, who are we or who do we want to be? And I'm glad you brought this up because I have similar conversations with other restaurant owners. The number one thing that you bring to an organization as an owner, I believe, is vision. You hire a lot of other people to execute that vision because you can't wash the dishes and cook and serve and make the coffee and pour the drink. You can't. What you have to do, I think the greatest thing that a great leader does in the other books, so you talked about grit, Angela Duckworth, one of my favorite books, um, I read that when I was a, a sort of a young new parent and I couldn't help but think of that in terms of a parent is a really, oh, man. I mean, halfway, Yes. halfway through the book, it's it just sort of turns. It's like, you know, how do people have determination and, and persistence and grit and then halfway through the book, it's basically like, well, how did I get grit? And how do I instill that in my children? And do I want to instill that in my children? And and what is that? And it was fascinating. I'm glad you brought up that book. I have recommended that before on the show. It's worthwhile. But the other one we talked about was Start With Why, which was Simon Sinek's book, which is based on a lecture, a TED talk he gave. And it basically says that. Leaders exist to provide a to create a vision, to provide a, a direction for the organization, right? The, the easy analogy is that we're all sitting there, everybody's got an oar, we're in the middle of the ocean, middle of the lake, let's say. We can go any direction and get to a safe harbor, but the leader has to stand there and say, no, we're going there, and point in a direction and get everybody rowing in the same direction. So my question is, or I guess what I would say is that it's your place. It should be what you want it to be or what you believe it should be. And I think maybe it's just, I. I from as you're explaining, your chef um, certainly sounds more than capable of doing this. I think maybe the challenge is, is that if we're trying to fix things at the fifth step instead of the first step, that is there a way we can go back to the first step and say, This season, I would like it to be lighter or can we articulate better the kind of dynamic that you'd like to see on the menu and sort of how do we pull her all the way back to square one and sort of give her the same autonomy and free range, but give her the vision of saying, but this is the direction we're rowing in. We used to row in that direction and we've done that really well. And I think maybe there's room for some of those things, but for the most part, I would really like to row in this other direction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Is there a way mm-hmm. that you can take it all the way back to square one? Because in the previous conversation we talked about, you said sometimes, you know, she'll make a dish, she'll try to lighten it up, it'll and it'll sort of be you're tinkering with it sort of later in the game. Like the dish has already been designed, but a certain dish is, you know, A duck is a duck is a duck. We can't make it into a chicken. It's just always gonna be a duck. So if we want a chicken, how do we come back and say we want a chicken? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? How can we have that conversation and give her the same amount of ownership and autonomy that she's enjoyed all this time, the things that I imagine allow her to be as great as she is?
1: Yes, right. I don't wanna remove that I don't want to create conflict where there isn't conflict. But I do want to... And and so she has some solid points about, listen, there's limited space, there's limited people back there. What do you want to pull from the menu? Is there anything on the menu that you're willing to part with? Well, the menu's not very big, because it's a small restaurant. So to pull any of those things off is... Going to upset some people, fine. They'll still eat with me. It's usually just the locals anyways. They're fine.
0: They'll get over it.
1: (laughs) They don't have a lot of food options.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know there's this saying, right? Writers have this saying, right? You've got to kill your darlings. Is that you write... You know, 5,000 words, there's only room for 2,000 words you have to kill, but I liked all 5,000, you gotta kill the 3,000, and you're killing your darlings, and I think that's okay, the best chefs out there, the best owners do that, you have to kill your darlings, because you're gonna put something that you're gonna, you're gonna like even better, or even as much in time, you just have to be willing to sort of, and, and listen, you're not killing them, you've got the recipe, it's in a binder somewhere. If the other, if the new dish doesn't work, you can always go back. There's, there's sort of take solace in that, is that we can yeah, always we can always revert to it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like an ex-boyfriend. So how big? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might still be there. I don't know.
0: <laughs> you can always go back to him. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> Re- recipes are just like how. How's a recipe like an ex-boyfriend? It's always so right there when ways. you need them. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how can we go back? How can we take a step back? Uh, honestly, rather than saying, what can, we, what can we remove? I might say, let's sort of whiteboard it and just say, what does the 2023 menu look like? So w- we want to have the ribeye. We want to have the balls. We want to. There's maybe a couple of things that we absolutely cannot live without. But rather than thinking what would we take away, just what's the things we can't live without and then build it from scratch. And if anything isn't as good as something you already had, again, you've got on The ex-boyfriend's on the shelf. You can go back to them. <laughs> um, but I might give yourself, I might give you, even as you describe it, as, you know, as she's saying, what, what, what would you take off? Maybe come at it the other way and just say, blank slate, we're moving forward in a totally new direction. I always say to my clients, I said, it's a thought experiment right now. You're not doing anything. And yes, you're going to have paying customers in a couple of weeks. But right now, today, tomorrow, the next day, you can spend the next four days coming up with a brand new menu and really a brand new vision. And if you say, hey, I'd like a menu that accomplishes this that focuses on this and this and this, and you're gonna have to fill in the this and this and this. You're gonna have to articulate it for her, but rather than saying, well, don't do this, maybe find something else, maybe that's too um, restricting and maybe just give her sort of free reign. And maybe ultimately that's what you really want too is to say, let's give ourselves the freedom to come up with something totally new.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I like it.
0: Does that sound really scary?
1: It is a little scary for one thing, she doesn't get here till Friday and we open on Thursday. So it's yep. all our food ordering delivery menu creation happens in a six day window. And okay. on top of it, I have a lot of new staff, of course. So training them on the food, that's not, I guess that's not the hard part. They're going to learn whatever I stick on there, whether it's the old stuff or the new stuff. It yep. is probably just fear that keeps me from making those changes. And fear, you know, I, I want to keep her. I'm doing everything I can to keep her happy. Happy chef, happy kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and listen, ultimately, there's a reason she comes, keeps coming back to you. I think she probably gets a lot out of this. I think she's probably, it's it's a good match in a lot of ways. But even over the next couple of days, the best chefs I've worked with um, don't need a kitchen, a stove, or a rain, you know, to to, to come up with great food. They sort of come up with it. Well, like, okay, what if we did something like this? I, I haven't all worked it all out. I don't know the recipe, but what if we did a chicken with this and with that? Okay, maybe there's that. I mean, it might be sort of a, a rough menu she can send you in the next couple of days and you guys can just look at it and look at it fresh, clean, with, without any sort of ghosts on the menu, without your ex-boyfriend. Let's look at the new boyfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? We gotta give the new boyfriend a try. You know, and inevitably, you're saying, "Well, is he as nice as my old boyfriend? Is he as rich as my old boyfriend?" Is, you know what I mean? But like, like you're gonna you're gonna do that. But right now, your job is to just give the new boyfriend a chance. And I think with sort of the the old boyfriend at the at the next table, you can't really do that. I don't know how you do that with your limited time frame. I don't know if it's possible, but I think. And I think it's probably worthwhile to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it needs to happen for a lot of reasons, but it is a request that people make. They still buy the other food and they still love it, but they started with, I'm looking for this, do you have it? And my answer is no,
0: try this. And I'd like people
1: to to say, yes, I do have that solution and shock them with that.
0: So I think that here's your action item, leaving this call or one of the action items, is you need to sit down, spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes just trying to articulate in in a couple of sentences. Don't write a page. Don't even write a paragraph. In a couple of sentences, what you would like the menu to be, what you'd like. I would like the menu to be a reflection of this. I would like it to celebrate these flavors. I would like it lighter, meaning this, this, and this instead of this, this, and this so you can as clearly as so you can articulate as clearly as possible what it is you're looking for what you think your guests are looking for and sort of say you know if we can do this i i want to give you the freedom to do this your way but it's got to be again using the the rowing analogy but this is the direction we're rowing we're going to row that way not this way anymore but that way mhm hmm. i love it it's great I appreciate it. And that's really a lesson in leadership, right? If we if we can agree on that, the, the most succinct definition for leadership that I've ever heard is that the leader provides vision, provides direction for the organization, that that's the hardest thing to do. And it's really the only thing you really need to do because everyone's looking to you and saying, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we do it? Why do we do it this way? And so, if it's a, it's really, and this is where I started saying, I think it's a philosophical question. Saying philosophically, who are we? What do we believe in? Why do people come here? What what are we providing them with? And it used to be that, and now it's going to be this. I still you know? have <laughs> <Well>, some <laughs> And I think you, but again, give yourself, and this is what I mean, like blue sky, whiteboard it. Um, have you ever seen like TV writers when they're trying and they talk when they're trying to break a season? So TV writers, you know, there'll be eight of them. They'll all come into a room and say, okay, we've got 24 episodes of you name the show. What happens this season? It's called, they're trying to break a season, break the story. What's going to happen over the course of this season? Well, this is the main arc and then this happens and this happens and they slowly do it, but they give themselves just total freedom to say, what if this happened? Well, what if this person did that? Or what if? Any TV show that's out there was written the same way. A group of really smart people all came together and the showrunners or the executive producers said, this is what it is, right? Provided the vision, we're rowing in that direction. Okay, here's the direction. Well, what would happen, right? And you think back to any of the most famous shows, Cheers or Friends or The Cosby Show, whatever it is, right? It was, well, what happens this episode? What happens this season? What's the story? That's what you have to provide and just say and give the chef the freedom and really give yourself the freedom, I'm guessing, to say, well, what if we did this? Well, what if we did that? What if we offered this? What if we were the kind of place that did this instead of that? But you can't do that, again, to use the ex-boyfriend metaphor, can't do that with, you know, with all the ex-boyfriends hanging around at the table. <laughs> you you got to sort of, of like leave them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but when you look at a menu... Again, when you look at a menu and you say, what should we get rid of? It's basically all the ex-boyfriends are on the menu. Well, who, which ones are we getting rid of? Where's room for new boyfriends? You know what I mean? Like that's, it's just not, you've got them all sitting there at the table with you. They're all there on the paper. And it's like, eh, just, just give yourself the freedom to come up with something totally fresh and totally new. And I bet you could come up with something in a couple of days' time, and you could just look at it as a thought experiment, knowing that you could just return to the old one and do it the other way if you wanted to, where you sort of try out a new item every week, slowly replace things from the existing menu. Hmm.
1: Which do you think is a better method? Start from scratch, keep those two, three things maybe that you just can't live without and rewrite the rest? Or is it better to
0: you know, not rip all the Band-Aids off at once? I think in listening to you, I would go with the first way. Really? Cuz I think I think that's I think you want stylistically, tonally, philosophically, I think you want something different. I hear it I hear it now. I heard it in the previous conversation. Okay. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for the the chef to just come up with a bunch of really great ideas from scratch. That being said, Given the time constraints, that might not be possible. I think it is possible in this time. But She's if pretty it's not, awesome, yeah. So that's what I believe for you, for this situation right here, right now. That's what I think you should do because ultimately I think that's what you want. You want to see it totally fresh. So think of what are the things we cannot live without? The steak, the balls, you pick one or two others and then... Then I don't know where do we go. I don't know where do you where do you want to go on the trip? Maybe we go that way. Maybe we go this way. I think ultimately that's that's what you that's what you want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to chew on that. I think you're right, but i I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared to admit it, but I think you might be right.
0: <laughs> and at the end of the day, here's the beauty of it. Again, it's just a thought experiment. If you get through, so you say, hey, by the time you get, and you might say this, by the time you get here on Friday, I'd love to see a whole new menu. You're going to sit down and articulate this new vision, and you're going to say, hey, I don't think I did a really good job articulating what I think I want it to be. I think what we ended up doing was tinkering with something at the last minute, and I don't think that did justice to the dish you were trying to create. And I think I was trying to turn something, you know, I was trying to turn one thing into something it didn't want to be. So I just want to start from scratch as a thought experiment. We know the old menu works. We can always return to that, but by the time you get here on Friday, can you bring a menu, a mock-up of something, even just a rough thing, that goes in this direction? Here's my um, here's my mission. Here's my my vision statement for what I think we are and what I think our people want from us, and let's you know keep this and this map out a whole new menu that sort of rose in this direction. And let's look at it together when you get here.
1: Every time we talk, I am like, my brain is full and I like want to sit down and make everything happen at once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's the challenge with coaching, right? Challenge with coaching is that you've got to take notes and you have to, so we're identifying problems we're talking about potential solutions. And the next thing is your challenge is you have to prioritize those problems. Right. So this thing, there's immediacy to this. So this one's easy. Mm-hmm. I think you have to sit down today and write a mm-hmm. couple of sentences, two or three, really, max. Like, I want to create a restaurant that blah, 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 where the menu does the, you're going to write that. It's going to be short, sweet, just plain English. Don't make it lofty or fancy. It's not. It's just how do you articulate what it is you're looking for to the chef that you can tell her, show her what direction you want to row in. And then see if she'll play ball and say, I want to give you, again, ownership, autonomy. I think when you have freedom, that's when you come up with your best stuff. But I want us to row in this direction. And I just want to see what a menu would look like. Then after that, we prioritize all the other things that we've talked about over the course of this. That's the point of, that's the, it's why people, when they coach with me, they're with me for a year. It's because we work, I always use the football analogy, right? I was, I don't even really watch football, but like football is not, you know, you don't throw Hail Mary touchdown passes on first down. It's about moving the chains. You get a first down and then you get another first down and then another first down and another first down. And when you do that enough times, you end up having possession a great, uh, you know, great deal of the game and you end up putting points in the board. You turn around after a couple quarters, you look up and you're like, whoa. All we were doing is getting first downs a little bit at a time, and we you know, we scored 28 points. It's the same thing with coaching, is that we, we fix one thing, then fix the next thing, then fix the next thing, then fix the next thing. It's little by little by little, and it's hard to see it on a week-to-week basis. But when you turn around and you look back three months later, you're like, oh, crap. We did a lot, look at look at where we are now, look at where we were and look at where we are now. Even just the things we were talking about for how you confirm reservations, how you use those confirmation calls as an opportunity to sell, to begin the hospitality. So that helps you with cash flow, that helps you with uh, your ordering, that helps you with your hospitality so you don't have to say, I'm so sorry, we're 86 the famous dish. like, Like that's a huge thing to implement Now we're talking, you know, philosophically, again, totally, what do you want this place to be? That's going to, that's going to dictate how your, uh, how your chef does what she does so well, how you communicate to your team, what you want from them and how they are going to succeed this summer, you know, and, and how they need to exist in this property. And we just do it little by little by little. You do those couple of things and then we move on to the next things.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Baby steps. I can do
0: it. (laughs) <laughs> Baby steps. That's it. <laughs> and you do this. You take action. You come back. You've proved to me you did it. We work on the next thing. You come back. You prove to me you did it. And, you you know, we look at the results. Yeah. That's that. That's coaching. Um, listen, we're coming to the end of our time together. Uh, I have loved this conversation uh, just as much as I love the previous conversation. Um, <laughs> any other last minute things you want to cover before we uh, before we turn the microphone off?
1: I would say that if we were to open that can of worms, we'd be on it for another 45 minutes. So (laughs) I'll save it for a master class. How's that?
0: (laughs) Great. Sounds good. Sounds good. Perfect. Um, I do want to give you a chance to let the listeners know about uh, where they can find more about Dirty Skillet um, and everything you guys are, are doing up there.
1: Sure. Thank you for that. If you're interested in learning more, our full music lineup, our menu, where we're at, where to stay with us, it's all on our website, dirtyskillet.com. You fly into Anchorage, and you drive down the prettiest road you've ever been on your entire life, and you'll show up in the what Chip calls the middle of nowhere, and yeah. <laughs> I swear if you're comfortable with you know random bears and occasional ducks entering your cabin, this is the place you're going to want to be. Uh, best food in this side of the Kenai Peninsula, I would say that for sure, and a really cool experience. Dirtyskillet.com.
0: Excellent. We'll include that link in the show notes, Um, Janine. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this, to appear on the show. I know it's uh, uncomfortable to say, you know, to sit here and have these kind of conversations, um, so that thousands of people can listen. uh, But I appreciate it, and uh, on behalf of the listeners, I'm sure they're getting something out of this, Um, even though your unique, individual, very strange situation um, may seemingly have nothing to do. With what anyone else is dealing with, um, I think that's very much not true, and I and I I'm sure people are getting stuff out of it. So thank you for sharing your story and being open to to do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, making me do my hair today. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you
0: can tell you can tell we haven't been open for uh, eight months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. You, you gotta get you gotta get into it. Listen, I appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. All the best to you this season. Thanks, Chip. Appreciate it. Thank you. So once again, I want to thank Janine for taking time out of her day to chat with me. I want to thank her for sharing her story. I know it's uncomfortable uh, to sit here and and talk about some of the things that uh, you're struggling with, uh, but I appreciate it. And, I, and I'm going to guess all the listeners out there that you guys uh, you guys appreciate it, even when you hear about a restaurant and a situation that seems so far and distant from your own. There are still takeaways, uh, ways that you can uh, that you can learn from it, things that you can apply to your own business. I hope you feel that way. Again, I want to remind you one last time about the p3 mastermind program it's a mastermind group that i run for operators all over the world we meet two hours every single week if you want to learn more see if you're a good fit for the program then to get started uh, schedule a call visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule again that link is in the show notes i appreciate you guys being here every single week thank you very much and i will see you next time